The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that your love was depicted in a sacrificial work that your son willingly ran to in order to reconcile humanity back to you, in order to make a way where there was no way, in order to build a bridge back to heaven where you abide so that we might experience your presence. And even in this moment as we pray to you, we, uh, we acknowledge that we are praying to the, the maker. We are praying to the creator. We're praying to the one that authored stars and universes and li- literally breathed his breath of life into a lump of clay or dirt or dust. And Lord, that you fashioned and formed us in your image. And now by your spirit, you are, you are creating us into your likeness. And we thank you, Father, for your work that uh, find us submitted this morning. Find us yielded to your finishing work. Find us open to your good gospel that we might surrender to your lordship knowing that that's the, the best thing that we can possibly do. Father, help us to understand the function, the, the, the importance the necessity of the body of Christ. Help us to, to further understand our role, our place, our function. Help us to understand that it's by your Spirit's presence that we're empowered to be this unique expression together of your glory and your presence and power to the world and your love and grace. Lord, let it be evident through our lives. We do ask for Trevor's mama to continue to have uh, the healing work that you've already started in her, that it would completely be realized as she goes through recovery and, uh, and she enters into uh, physical therapy. Lord, I just pray that you would minister to her and we pray that you would be with Pastor Trevor as he flies home tonight. We pray that you would just protect and, and, and bless and guide him, grant him the rest that he obviously would, all of us would need. And uh, Father, thank you just for just the privilege to come before you in prayer. It's it's an incredible honor to enter into your presence and to know because of the finishing work of the cross and the promise of your word that you hear us, that you hear us, Lord, and that you're attentive to our prayers, Lord. We are so thankful to be yours. And I pray, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, that they would be pleasing in your sight for you alone are our rock and our redeemer and are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles under the seatbacks that are in front of you, and please, you are welcome to use them. You're welcome to take them. We would love to give you a brand new one if you don't have one. We would love the privilege of sowing God's Word into your life, and that's our hope in everything that we do. So um, I look around and see all these sweet faces this morning, and I want you to know how thrilled I am that each and every single one of you are here. So um, excited to, uh, to share God's Word. Really, guys, this is, um, this is uh, part of the way I believe God has wired and gifted me. And I, I want to say this, that th- there's a more excellent way. The last verse of this chapter talks about, let me show you a more excellent way, and it enters into this whole description of what love is, what love does, what, lo- what the, the, the fruitlessness of life without it, and that every gift that we're given, we're given to express God's unique love to others 
with that gift, empowered by the Holy Spirit for God's glory and that he, isn't it a good thing that God has put his body together? He's formed it in, in a manner that is that he is a God of order, not of chaos, like he has fashioned uh, every facet and, uh, and function of the body intricately, intricately together in order to bring about his mission and to see the world realized, realize the love of Christ and the mercy of God. And so um, isn't it an incredible thing that when God put his spirit in us, one, to seal us and to put a deposit that he would later make good, he's faithful, that that in the midst of doing this, every believer, the scripture tells us this morning, every believer is given a gift. Every believer. And it's, it's appointed to us based on God's purpose, plan, his will, his intention. Like God has, like you are made on purpose for a purpose. And when God puts his spirit in us, he lights up the very reason that he's made us. And we can be very clear about this that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were saved, you were saved to serve. Like just as Jesus modeled for us that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, you too. Jesus said, I have, he was talking to his disciples in Acts chapter one. He says, it ta- he talks about his, the ministry, Luke says, the ministry that he, Jesus Christ, began now will we'll finish by his spirit through his bride, through his body, through his people. And so, guys, we get to be a part of this glorious mission that has been ongoing for almost 2,000 years. God is seeking to empower those that would trust him as Lord, would believe that he's not only, Jesus is not only his son, but that he's not dead but alive and seated at the right hand of the Father, and that by that belief and faith in him, he would put the, his very self, his presence inside of us in order to empower us to see the mission of God realized, which means that the world might know that God loves him and that grace and mercy is, is, is available to those that would trust him as Lord. And so that is, that, is, that is the good news. That is good news this morning. So uh, I want to use an illustration as we get started. Um, I think so often a puzzle is such a good illustration of many things. Um, but this is, uh, this is, this is an ex- exceptional opportunity to use a puzzle as an illustration. So the body of Christ really finds its greatest expression be- when, we are complete, when we are unified in a very intimate way. This is the intention of God is that we wouldn't do this in, in there, it, it actually isn't realized in isolation. It's, it's realized in intimate community as we express the glorious fullness of Christ, the scripture says. I believe we're born into the world like this. And, uh, and it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a sad reality. I'm not gonna be able to get into too much of the illustration. I, I, I believe the spirit will light this up for you. But I believe when we get saved, that this is what happens. That all of a sudden, we have a glimpse of his glory. We have a, we have a, a, a fragment of, 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 of the glorious, the righteousness, the holy that God imparts to because his spirit is present in us. But, you know, much like, how many of you have, I, I guess I should say it this way, have any of you never done a puzzle? If you raise your hand, never. Okay, so we're all there. Okay, good. So, um, so you know, what, what I believe is, is that we're, we're given this peace. But if, if you drop it on the floor, you don't have it in your hand anymore. No, um, but if you've put a puzzle together, when you start picking up pieces, 
what, what happens is, is initially it's very difficult to try to find one that fits the other. Most of us go to the edges, right? And so what, what happens for the believer initially, man, it's hard to connect the dots. It's hard to figure out, like, where do I fit? Like, where does my, you know, and, and the, the good news of the scriptures tells us that everyone fits, that everyone belongs, that everyone has purpose, that you're as unique as a fingerprint and a retina and a, and a snowflake, and that the expression of God's gift only continues to illuminate and, and, and amplify the uniqueness that, that God has made you. It empowers the very purpose that God has fa- fashioned and formed you on this planet. And we'll never realize that until this happens. But even at this stage, it seems vague. So what do most of us do at this stage? We grab the box cover, right? <laughs> I know I do. I, sounds like cheating, but I'm like, I don't know what else to do. So like, grab the box cover. So in this illustration, what is the box cover for us as believers when we come to this initial state? The scriptures, right? It's so obvious, right? Because what does the box cover give us? It gives us a picture, right? It gives us the grand design. But ultimately, in this illustration, what it gives us is it gives us him, It shows us him. It reveals what he looks like. It's a love letter from the heart of the father revealing the heart of the father. And so he just shows himself through the scriptures. And so as we open up the box cover and uh, and start to discover the, the, the wonder of this, you know, what God's hope and intention is in order to... How do we clarify each individual little piece? By connecting it to other pieces, right? It starts to, to take on the fuller expression of whatever the picture is. And so, you know, so often we're, we're asking ourselves, what must, what, what must I do, right? Like, like it's, we get so wrapped up in, in the activity that we're, we're called to rather than realize that, that, that a fuller understanding and a fuller expression of him is found when we connect with one another. Now, when you're putting a puzzle piece together, one of the the, the things that happens initially is it's a lot of hunting and pecking and trial and error, right? I mean, or I mean, unless you're like, you know, like Mac Daddy puzzle maker, but but like for me, it's like, oh boy, that almost fits, but not, you know. And you just start kind of. But so what I want to tell you is like the, the the journey of the Christian faith is just is just getting connected with other people, and sometimes that's a process of. Oh, I don't really fit here with this. You know, it's just kind of, but it, but it requires us being in intimate context and putting ourselves out there, trusting the Lord. And ultimately what we're after is, God, how do I connect to this body that you're the head of? How do I mutually um, join a mission that you're in charge of? And how have you uniquely wired and created me so that I fit together? And then what happens is what is the most, you know, it's, it's those moments in life that are so sweet when we find this God-ordained relationship that we connect to that helps us to f- more fully understand him, his mission, his word, his will, his way. And when we, when we connect with one another, all of a sudden the, the picture gets a little clearer. And then when, when we connect with another one, in the case of this particular piece, and then when they connect, it just, that's the body of Christ. Because this, this right here is vague. This right here is extremely unclear. 
This right here, you know, one of the things that I would say about a puzzle, have you ever finished a puzzle and there's pieces missing? Has that ever happened to you? Like, that's so frustrating, right? Like, there's pieces missing. But, like, what, what that tells me is that every piece matters. Every single piece matters. And God, God has apportioned them as he wills, the scripture says. So he's put every piece. And it's, you know, the, the, the good news about, if you, if you open a brand new puzzle and you take it apart and you start doing it and you get to a point in the middle of it where I, I think a lot of us have been as Christians and we're like, man, I don't think this piece fits. I don't think this piece belongs. You know, part of the, 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 uh, the conviction of the fact that that's not true is that I opened this box and, and the one that put this together, I mean, obviously, there's, we live in a fallen world, but, <laughs> but like, like that, that all the pieces are here. It's just me that needs to, to pray and figure this out. And so God wants to intimately plug us together so that we function in a healthy manner. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Um, some more just illustrations that relate to this. Uh, looking at one piece, it's unclear. When we look at the, bo- the box, it's the Bible. It unpacks the Father and who he is. Um, have you ever finished a puzzle and one piece is missing? Every piece matters. All these things are a perfect illustrations. And then finally, listen to this piece. And you know what? If I had to open this up right now, and I- I'm sure there's countless more illustrations of how this this piece, uh, this puzzle piece applies. But, but finally, these were just some of the things that I thought of is what would it take to put this puzzle together? It would take connecting, cooperating, flexibility, patience, believing we do fit together, seeking to connect with him and with others. That's, that's the, the attitude that's required, this, this sense of humility and that we've been, we've been bought to in order to connect and, uh, and experience this intimate community that has a mission to be, re- to be realized. So um, let's, let's walk through the text here. We're in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, uh, and I just want to kind of look. I'm going to kind of move pretty quickly this morning. I want to get really practical. We're going to have a practical expression this morning of what it means to be the body together. Um, and so let's just uh, start with verses 1 through 3. So right from the start, Paul says that we're given gifts. Right, that God imparts gifts through His Spirit, by His Spirit, for His glory, um, for the for the, the the building up of the body, for the connectedness of the and the unity of the body. Think about what, you, what Jesus prayed for in John 17. Right, in John 17, He said this in His high, high priestly prayer. He prayed a lot of things, but this is at the heart of the matter. He said, "Father, that they may be one," and then He puts this as the qualifier, as the standard, that they may be one as you and I are one. Like. That's, that's the ultimate expression of oneness. But in this, this piece, we're, we're told that each one is given a gift. And there, it's ordained by a glorious God that doesn't mess up a puzzle box, right? Like you're, you're designed for a reason. And, uh, and that's good news. But we can abuse, misuse, misunderstand. We can be ignorant to the, even how these gifts are appointed and expressed and utilized. So listen, listen to what we, we see here. So in verses 1 through 3, uh, there's a potential danger surrounding spiritual gifts. And, and right from the start, I want to say this. Just don't forget the fact that it's a gift from the most glorious giver. And the gift, guys, please don't miss this. The gift isn't meant to define you. It's meant to define him. So it's, it's, it's not about letting the gift become what, what, what you... I mean, we're, we're so self-focused, we're so selfish in our, in, our, in, our, in our mindset. 
And we need to realize that we're, we're, we're gifted to give. We're blessed to be a blessing. It's what love does. And, and God is love. And so it says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave. And you know what he gave ultimately? He gave himself and his spirit. And this is how Jesus promises, realize that I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And Paul here, under the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, begins with just saying, there's some things you need to be aware of and potential dangers here when it comes to gifts. So there's the danger of being ignorant in general about the gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The second danger we see in verse 2, there's a danger of being carried away to false worship. I'll explain that for just a second. You know, this is what he goes on to say in verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. I think it's interesting in our fallen context in our country that our American idols sing. You know, we talk about like mute, but it's amazing the things that we, 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 we give. I mean, like it's, how have we come to a place where we have a show on TV called Lucifer? I mean, does, like if it's not, he's, for me, media, the, the, the fact that media is, has, a, has some demonic influence is out of the box. I mean, like it's, un, it's disclosed, folks. <laughs> it's no longer a, an angel of light expression, okay? So like we got to be careful about what we put our eyes to, especially if we got little eyes watching, right? And so, so here he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. In other words, things that weren't even real. Yeah, I love that in, in Jeremiah, you know, he, 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 uh, he's speaking on God's behalf and he says to the nation of Israel, like, look, you take a log, you cut it in half, you use one to warm yourself and then you use the other one to worship. I mean, it just seems so silly. But here's the thing, we have a tendency to wor- worship creation rather than the creator. And, and the ultimate thing that we tend to worship is ourselves. And then when God comes and, 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 and rescues us and then puts his spirit in us and a part of that indwelling spirit is a gift or gifts, those, you know, we tend to, in the church, there's still a form of idolatry when we, we start to make much of the gift rather than the giver. Because the whole point of the gift is to make much of the giver. Right? Because guys, here's the, here's the freeing news. It's not about you. That's, that's good news. It's, it's, it's all about him. And the more we orient our lives around him, the more we're set free from all the trappings and all the, all the you know, the sin that so easily entangles. So there's a danger in being ignorant about the gifts. There's a danger in being carried away to false worship. Verse 3 says, there's a danger of speaking false messages. So in order to clarify who's in, who's out, you know, what spirit is actually in you, (laughs) it says, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, no one can say with any truth or conviction, Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That, that, that confession is the work of God's spirit in us. I mean, we don't, listen, we will never give lordship to anything or anyone, right? I mean, we, we want to be the leaders of our lives. 
And when the Lord reveals that his ways are better, higher, when he, is, when he reveals his holiness, his glory to us, and we are then kind of captured by his holiness, but our sin at the same time, he breathes this gospel into our lives and tells us the good news that Jesus died for our sin, that we might be forgiven and that we might be born again and that he might put his spirit in us and, and refashion and form us into his image. Guys, there is no better news than that. There's, no, there's nothing you can say as a gospel that's more glorious than the fact that God condescended from heaven in order to give us heaven, like in order to put himself inside of us. Because you know where heaven is? Wherever God is. And if God is in us, now the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. Like God is here. And he's not here because we've asked him to, to come into a space or a building. We've asked him to come into a temple that he has made up a, a house of worship so that we can be living sacrifices. And so there's the danger of speaking, uh, speaking false messages. And then we move into verses 4 through 11, some of my favorite part of this text. And it says the unity of the gifts in verse 4 and 6. It talks about how unifying these gifts are. They're not only meant to, to be an expression of unity, they're meant to be unifying for the, for the believer. Why? Because we share one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, as Ephesians 4 says. Like this, this is a, it's a unifying work that God does when he puts his spirit in us. It, 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 it overshadows, as Pastor Trevor has said countless times, it overshadows all of our differences because he's God. <laughs> it completely overshadows our diversity and it actually helps us to celebrate diversity and the uniqueness that's in it because together, I, I love the, the acronym for team, together each accomplishes more. Like, I mean, God is the author of this. He says it's not good for man to be alone. That's before the fall. I mean, like, we need one another. God has always authored community. Look at, the, look at the nation of Israel. They come out of bondage. They're baptized through the Red Sea. They, they sit at the foot of Sinai. And what does God do? He pronounces his testament, his covenant over them, right? And what is the nature of the covenant? That you would be, that you would love me, verse four, and that you would love each other. Yeah, they're in the context of do not, but why? Because God is our good shepherd. He protects us. But what is his aim when he says, don't, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, don't lie? What is he saying there? Don't harm one another. And that's why it says later, Jesus says, the, the greatest commandment is this, love God, love people. This is uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven to 40. He says, look, the law and the prophets are summed up in this. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you're not going to lie to them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to, right? So this is, this is, this is the, the aim of God's spirit in us now. Is to, we, we now have the help of the spirit to love God and to love people. Why? Because he first loved us and showed us what love looks like. He's such a good God. And then what we have to understand in this verses 4 through 11 is, is that God gives gifts. Like so often we get so... Like it's like the Christmas epidemic, right? We, we get so focused on the gift that we, f we forget the giver. And let me say this, for this in this moment. Like when, have you ever given a gift to somebody and they're like, oh, thanks, next? Like, or have you ever gotten a gift from someone and they were like, I didn't want this. I wanted this. This is terrible. Look at what they got. How does that, how does the giver feel? Parents, I'm sure you've been there right? Like, how does, the, how does the giver feel in that moment? And guys, God 
is a gift giver. And the ultimate gift that any of us can ever give in response to, to his example to us is, being, is giving ourselves. That's what he did. He gave himself to us. And when we give ourselves away to others, it's the, most, it, it's the purest form of love, sacrifice, right? And so, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, he gave his one and only son. Like, that sounds so, oh, he gave it. No, what did that look like? And so, like, God gives gifts. The Holy Spirit provides and guides. Like, the gift that he's given not only is a provision and a protection for us, but it's a guiding force, right? He will come. He calls him the counselor or the helper, right? It's better that I go, that he comes, right? He, he, he will lead you into all truth and remind you of everything that I've said, right? He's, Jesus, I mean, can you imagine how crazy that was to the first disciples' ears? Like, it's better that, that I go so that he might come. Like, this is, a, this is a more profound work. This is a more complete expression of God's mission. That's an awesome thing. And so God gives gifts. And what he gives to us is himself. And we are gifted to give. That's, that's one of the big ideas this morning, if you're writing things down, is we are gifted to give. God always gives us, please hear me, God always gives us more than what he hopes will be, be a provision for us. Part of what he gives us is for our provision. But, but a mass majority of what he gives us is for others. Right? I mean, you think about a tree. I always use this as an illustration. You have one orange tree in your yard. If that thing is fruitful and healthy, there's no way you can eat all those oranges. They weren't designed and made just for you. They were meant that we might share. So the gift is meant to be given. The, the gift is meant to be shared. And how much more does it make it evident when we're talking about the gospel that's been given to us, the mercy of God, the love of God that's been given to us. This was something that we were meant, yes, to experience for ourselves, to experience the provision and its uh, implications for our lives. Yes, it was meant to feed and transform. It was provided to us, but it was then meant to pass through us and to be an expression of all that God is and does and wants and desires to the rest of the world and that's what it means to be the body of Christ. And we're not meant to do that in isolation. Anybody that tells me, yeah, I don't go to church, I don't do organized, well, man, look, God is organized. And he might not be religious from the, from the worldly perspective, but he does care about wif- widows and orphans and to keep one undefiled. I mean, this is true religion. But, but God is interested clearly in having a relationship with you and then he wants you to be a relationship to the world that he can express his love and grace through. Does that make sense? And we don't do that in isolation. We can't. We will default to selfishness. We will default to, to, to broken places and sin, right? We, we desperately need one another. We're yoked together. And here's the thing. The Bible is clear. Jesus, Paul's writings on this is clear. Is I cannot expect, express the fullness of Christ. It requires a body to do that. It requires us together, yoked and connected in order to express the love of God because I'm only a facet of who he is. I'm only a part of the puzzle. I'm not the, I'm not the whole deal. Uh, some of us need to hear that, this this morning. You're not the whole deal. Jesus is the whole deal, right? And, but, but here's the deal. We get to be a part of the whole deal. 
in that we get to participate in the body of Christ. We get to be a facet of this glorious diamond, which is Jesus Christ. And that's, a, that's, a, that's good news. So verse 4 helps us to understand that there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. So verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are different operations, but the same Lord. Verse 6 says, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God. And before I finish that piece, here's the deal, guys. Like, what's the point here? There's all kinds of gifts. There's all kinds of ministries. There's all kinds of activities. But they all come from the same place. And they're all empowered by this great and glorious and loving God. And, and we have that in common. And because he's the head of the church, and that's the way it is, we don't get to be the head. He is that's good news too. And, uh, and, and if everybody is, 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 uh, is listening to the head, then it, it unifies us because he's not going to lead us in confusion. He's going to lead us to, in a glorious procession, right? Like he's going he's to make us the aroma of Christ. He's going to make us the ambassador of grace. He's going to give us the ministry of reconciliation and we're going to do it together, together. Like, and that's the joy of it is that we don't do it alone. And man, you know, our flesh, please acknowledge this. Our flesh wars against being, I know I can't pronounce that word, I'm Bahamian, excuse me. Uh, no, I'm, I'm American now, by the way. Oh, thank you, God. But, um, but, um, but our, our flesh wars against wanting to be like completely unified. We, we love to be autonomous. We love to do it on our own. Think about it. Every child that I've ever had the privilege of, of, of being a part of when they're little, I do it. Right? We come out of the womb in this independent mode and God is calling us to interdependence. He's calling us to rich, intimate community that doesn't do it on our own, but that chooses to do it together, longs to do it together, knows it's better if we do it together, knows it's God's plan and purpose and this is, this is what God will empower is that we do it together. And so this is what God wants from us. But listen to what it goes on to say in verse 6. And there are a variety of activities, again, but it is the same God who empowers, now speaking of the Spirit, them all, I love that, everyone's involved in everyone. So like, this, this is the part of the Spirit being given to us. It, you know, in Ephesians 4 it says, one Spirit, one, one body, one baptism, one Lord. Like, it's, it's saying like, look, you have what I have. Right? When, when God took Eve, uh, Adam's rib and, uh, and Adam laid his eyes on, on her for the first time after he was exhausted of trying to find a helper in all of creation, God built him helper. Like made him, whoa, man. Right? Like he made her for him for that distinct purpose. And when he looked at her, he says, that is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Guys, where did, where, where did, where did it come from? It started with one, right? And this was meant to still, right? And, the, and, and you will leave and cleave and the two will become. Where do we have, where does that orientation even come from? God is one. It's the mantra of Israel. It's the Shema, right? It's the, it's the mantra of Israel. And so like what we have to understand that oneness is God's will. God, oneness is God's way. And it's what he wants from us. And man, it flies in the face of our, 
of our selfishness. It flies in the face of our wants and desires. It fl- you know why? Because we have a hard time um, dealing with the wants, and, and, and especially in a fallen state, and the wants and desires of others. And it just requires this selfish mode. In Philippians 2, 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then verse 5 says, having what? The same attitude, NIV says, or mindset of that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider, verse 6, who did not consider the equality with God something to be held on to. NIV says grass. Did, did not, he let go of the fullness of his deity in order to take on, Emmanuel, to take on flesh. And, and it's the most glorious expression of humility in order to love humanity back into his presence. And that's the example for you and I. You know, exaltation was on the other side. It didn't start until verse 9. He gave his life so that he, he became servant before he became king. And he calls us to do the same. You know where greatness is found? In giving your life away, he says. Greatness is found in serving. If you really want to be great, become a slave. To who? To Christ and his people, to his church. And that's the attitude that's required in order for us to come together. That's the attitude that's required in order for us to share our gift with one another. And one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't let our gift define us. Because what defines us is the giver. And what we're seeking to define is the giver. So the truth is, we don't even seek to define this. It's in obeying his word and being connected and intimate and finding our way. What does it look like in that initial puzzle illustration to kind of like... Which is this one? Oh, give up on this one. I'll get another one. You know, like, that, but that's, that's, the, that's the journey within the household of faith and within the community of faith is just kind of finding how do I fit? And I do that by just obey, loving. My command is this, love one another as I've loved you. Love connects us together, brings about the unifying force that the Spirit endeavors to realize in our life and in the church. Verse 7 goes on to say, to each is given the manifestation. So again, to each, like there's redundancy galore here. To each, everyone gets a gift, right? Is given, right? It's, a, it's reinforcing that it's a gift. Um, the manifestation, the expression of the Spirit for what? For what? What does it say? For the common good. Do you realize that that the reason that you're gifted by God is so that there's common good in the body. It's, the, the reason you're gifted for God, by God is for the benefit of others. The reason that God has put his spirit in you is that he would manifest his presence, his power, his love, his mercy and grace through you. You might have the gift of encouragement. Man, <laughs> what does Ephesians 4.29 say? What are we supposed to use our words for? The building up of the body. Is encouragement a, a, a necessary gift? Oh my gosh. Ask God, reveal, my, reveal this to me, Lord. Show me how, and he's, you know how he will lead you in that? Go love on that person. Go get connected in this way. Go serve in your church family. Guys, you have got to get plugged in. I'm not saying this. God's word says this. You have got to start a ministry, get involved in the ministry, find ways to, Use the gifts that God's given you because clearly it's meant for the common good. Man, we can get so self-oriented here and we'd be like, oh man, you know, we talk about it in our Christian 
American culture, like as if like Christianity's for me. Man, look, yes, it's it first it first changes you and blesses you, but it's not meant to stay there. It's meant that it might flow out, and it starts with the household of faith. It starts with the church. That's where you're meant to give your first fruits, right? To the Lord. But that but in, in worship, but where does it where does those fruits get expressed so that there may be food in my house? Right? Man, God doesn't want your money, He wants your heart. And man, wherever your, your heart is, that's man, that's where you're you just identified your treasure. You know, He wants you and He's purchased, He's done all this to purchase you. And then He wants you to steward the, the more precious things in life, which is time and people the treasure that he died for, for the common good, it says. Then in verses 8 through 10, we see a list of gifts, right? I'm not going to sit here and go through all these gifts because the message is not about the gifts. So like, we can do that later. We've done it before. So like, then it lists all the gifts. And then uh, later on in verse 11, I love this verse. This is the theme verse. This is the key verse for this morning. Then Paul stresses the unity of the gifts again in verse 11. And he says this, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. So first of all, you can't take the gift that God's given you as a spiritual gift and go use that for your own edification and glory. It won't be powerful in its expression. If it doesn't line up with God's word, God's will, and God's way, it will not light up when, when it's used for that, for that intention. God gives us his spirit to be unified in the body in order to accomplish his purposes. His purposes. So it goes on to say, all these are empowered by one spirit. Again, a unifying uh, reality. And the same spirit, God's spirit, capital S. Anytime you see a small S in scripture, it's talking about man's spirit or your spirit. Capital S, small S is us, big S him. That's the way it should always be. He's the big guy. So um, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So verse 11 says, man, listen, God gets to decide who gets what. And again, isn't that good news? And God puts it there. And, and what do we have to do is we have to stop going, I didn't want that gift. I, w- I, wanted, I, I want to sing like Marty and play guitar. I, I want to I do this. I want to do that. Why do we make much of, of gifts that are, that are, that are in a, as he goes on in this text? Like every gift matters. And if you really want to experience the abundant life that God has purchased for you in Christ and has put his spirit in you to see realized, we've got to embrace the uniqueness. And trust me, you are unique in all of creation. You've got to embrace the uniqueness that God has, has made and called you. And embrace that gift. Discover that gift with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance and loving people. So here's a question for you. If you could be one part of the body and I'm talking about the physical body, right? Which part and why? I mean, for most of us, it was funny. We, I did this question in the classroom, and three guys spoke. I mean, the ladies were speaking up too, but three guys spoke, and all three guys said, I, I want to be the head. I want to be the brains. I, I want to run the show. <laughs> I mean, it just was like kind of a common, yeah, that sounds like it. You know, like, but isn't that, I mean, with the headship, yes, we're called to that as men, but and I'm not going to get into this. Read Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, understanding that God has ordained offices to, to both bride and groom. And then he exemplifies those things. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You know, he's talking about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. 
and gave himself up for her. Man, there's, God has ordained a, a biblical rhythm to marriage, a biblical expression in marriage. Salvation is equally given to male and female. Absolutely. But we have offices. And if we don't realize those offices, we're not really understanding. It, it really, it, it clouds and muddies what, that Jesus is the head of the church, that he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. And, and listen, let me say this. When, when we're talking about the bride and groom, what does the scripture says in, uh, in Ephesians 5.22 about the bride? Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. It goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands in everything, Right? As unto the Lord, because the husband is head of the church, head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. Man, we can't get around that. That's just God's will. That's God's ordination. That's God's way. Is it is it broken in its expression because humanity has fallen in selfishness? Absolutely. But where it finds its full expression and its perfect expression is Jesus making His bride radiant. Jesus making His bride blameless and holy. How does He do that through the washing of the Word? God's Word is a cleansing agent in our life, and that's the that's the blueprint that we're given. For these things. I read the last part here as an illustration. I encourage you, go online and read the notes. I put, I'm going to put these notes up there. There's going to be a lot of homework on this one. So if you want more to really dig into and really process through, I'm going to put some supporting passages on there. I'm going to put some additional thoughts and, and questions. Go take, be a, be a disciple, be a learner, right? Be a follower and jump on there, download the notes, and continue to process through this. Because, you know, look, if we're just merely hearers of the word and not doers, we deceive who? Ourselves. Right? And the truth, like, resides with those that impart the word into practice. So, and then I want you to think about this illustration that that Paul's about to, you know, that I'm going to end with here. Um, But I want you to think about this as it relates to you. Like, if, and we're just talking about the physical body for a moment. Paul kind of just jumps into an illustration talking about this, right? And he says, you know, he talks about the ear, I mean, the ear versus the eye and the foot versus the hand. And, and we'll talk about that. But I want to lay the groundwork by this. Like, if you were to be a part of the body, what part would you want to be and why? Right? Because in this illustration, we see that, you know, the ear wants to be this glorious eye that's got color and radiance and can see things and is very discontent with the role of ear. But if the whole body were an eye, where would the body be? You know, like that's kind of the illustration. And, and as much as we can look at these, these, these ligaments and bones and, and the facets and the muscles and all of the intricacies of the anatomy of the body, like you take any of them, I'll use the finger for example. Amazing! You cut that finger off and stick it over there, it's gross. It's absolutely gross, right? And that's just a picture of we need to be a part of the body in order to be functional. Not only is it gross, it's on the way to being dead, right? It's not beautiful anymore. You take an eye, an eye is beautiful, all the color. Pluck it out, put it on the ground, and it's like, yeah, right? Like, I don't want to look at that, right? But that's, that's us when we're not living in this we're not living as an intricate part of the body, playing our role and function, unique to the, the... And here's the good news. It's God that sets you up in all of this. He's not, he doesn't make mistakes. He's not, he's, he's not going, oh, man, I wish I'd have made... Ugh, that was an oversight. No! Like, he's got it figured out, and you are a part of this master plan. For you are God's workmanship, Ephesians 10 says. Created... You came to this, you were created because in 
in Christ Jesus to do good works which God created in advance for you to do. And by the way, together with your other brothers and sisters. So listen to this passage. I'm going to read a paraphrase afterwards, but I want you to just take it in, okay? Verse 12 to 20. For just as the body is one, listen how many times he says one and many. For just as the body is one and has many members or parts, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jew and Greek, you can't get further apart as far as, you know, like culture. Slave and free. As you, you know, he's talking about distinctions. It's interesting he doesn't use male and female, right? All are made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And wouldn't that be weird if you had a hand where your foot is? Right? Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the body were an eye, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Right? And you know what's interesting in our, in our current context? Like, the world constantly wants us to conform to some, like, paradigm. Right? It's all about having this type of hair and this kind of car and this kind... You know, it's like there's this conformity to, to not uniqueness, but to, to some, some I, I, idol. Right? And God's saying, no, there's this glorious diversity, this unique expression that, that makes you so valued and important to my overall providence and how you fit into this master plan to run after the world and tell them that God loves them and he's made a way for you to come back to him. And we get to do it together, uniquely gifted and every part matters. If you're not here, we're not complete. Look, man, you see someone walking around. If you're handicapped, you're limited. That's an unfortunate thing that we see in our, in our, in our world. And I tell you, every church is handicapped. Every single one has not reached its, its fruition, its maturity, its ideal. But man, isn't it just beautiful when it starts to kind of take on the form of the ideal body expression that God intended for it. I just love that. So if the whole body were an, were an ear, where would the sense of smell? Where would be the sense of smell? Verse 18, but as it is, but see, as it is, God arranged the members in the body. This is not an afterthought. This is, this is a perfect, beautiful plan that God has authored. Each one of them, unique, everyone gets one. As he chooses, verse 19, if all were a single member, gross, right? We talked about that. If all were a single member, I mean, that, that, that would just not be a beautiful thing or very functional, super handicapped and limited. Were, if, if all were a single member, where would the body be? Well, my answer to that is, Paul's asking a question here, I'd say dead and useless, right? If we were all a single member, I mean, I think the heart needs other organs. I mean, I, we need each other and I believe this is our problem. This is our problem. I, I hear people say all the time, I don't need the church. I can, I can follow God by myself. That is a lie. That is not what the scriptures teach. 
And, and, and when you're not here, we, we are, I don't want to say we're gross. We're just, we're handicapped. We're limited. Your, your gift matters. Even if you don't understand it yet, in the, moment, in the mode of discovery, there is just wonderful things that happen. But, but enter into intimate community. Start to find ways to serve and get plugged in. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about activities and ministries as much as I'm talking about connect with your, with your brothers and sisters here. Get in a life group. Find ways to be more intimate. You show up here on Sunday morning and then, and then I don't, we don't see you till next Sunday. Man, how are you going to do if you just eat one meal a week? I mean, how, how, are you going to be healthy? Are you going to thrive? Are you going to be vibrant? Are you going to be strong? Yeah, completely starved, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need each other. We need to be under God's word. We need to be in God's word. We need to do that in community because we can't get the full revelation that, that the Spirit wants to impart to us unless we're doing it together. And so get in a life group. We got clips, clipboards in the back. We beg you to get in a life group. I don't ask you to do things that are good for me. They're good for you. That's what God's word tells us to do. So like, I think the answer to Paul's question here is, is dead, useless. And this is the problem. It's we're such an, a culture that's wrapped around me when it should be about he. And he's, he should get the glory and the honor and praise. Verse 20 ends with this. As it is, there are many parts. Do we see a, a thread of consistency here? There are many parts, yet one body. And this is God's perspective, God's truth. There are many parts, but there is one body. Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. So we're going to move into a practical expression of this. And uh, what I want us to do is I want us to pray for each other. You know, one of, our, one of our pieces that we've said throughout this year in our missional practices and our blessed theme is we've said, hey, um, look, if we're going to do anything, it's got to begin with him. So it's got to start in prayer. You know, if, if anything kind of, if the Spirit has pricked your heart this morning on any of these pieces, let me, let me give you a, a road map on where to start. Get on your knees before God with this piece. Whatever he's stirring in your heart, begin it in prayer. If it's, if it's a relationship that's broken that you know that God wants to mend and you need to express the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me, be faithful to that. Be obedient to that. But if you don't know what the next step looks like, pray. And so I want to do that this morning. I'm going to ask on these issues that uh, everybody that I'm asked, I've already asked to pray, um, be very sensitive to be, to be brief about those prayers for sake of our time. Okay, but these are, these, are, these are important issues within our culture, within our church. And, uh, and I want us to pray this morning. I want us to do what I believe is one of the most loving things we can do for one another is heartfelt prayer, that we can truly begin in prayer because I believe that people that pray together stay together. I think marriage marked by intimate prayer and consistent prayer will thrive. Um, the cord of three is not easily broken. So... Um, so I'm going to ask uh, for several things and, uh, and we're going to move through some time of prayer. Now, guys, you are not spectators here. Um, I am encouraging you as others are praying over these things or praying for these things that you would join that prayer. Join your heart in the expression of the amen. Let it be done.
Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.